Awesome, welcome back to a live episode of It Is What It Is Podcast. First of all, I don't even do live episodes, but you had some people out there that say, Cody, you need to get back to the live space. So we're going to do it here. So I invited the most talented individuals I could think of, one of whom will join us later for this live episode, because I'm going to be honest with you, right now my live game is a little weak, so I need some strong Influence in the space, so I have none other than the attorney Amanda Moncada Perkins, podcast host, coach, lifestyle, realtor, all around amazing person, Carrie Jimmy, uh, the black Jeff Bezos himself, Derek Scott, the culture influencer coming up through the ranks, Candy Lynn, and the amazing angel investor, entrepreneur, just overall leader, Nimica. I have some amazing heavy hitters. I'm super excited. I'm super excited about getting into this episode named as the world reopens it's live feel free to ask your questions we will we will try to address them some of them right engage with us we want to engage you but i'm starting this one off with nimica right so we are i don't even know where we are really in the phase of covid i don't know if this is exiting covid intra covid i think it's intra still but the cases in the u.s have lessened as far as adoption rates, mortality rates per thousand. But we've seen a upsurge, right? An upsurge in India, right? So we want to start there. Um, what What is going on? Because we, you know, obviously here in the U.S., we get a very slanted scope of things. And we don't always know what the true details are. So can you just describe to us kind of what's going on over there? Well, um, the situation is kind of scary. We just had the second wave and it was obviously um, we're not, we were not ready for that, but we also kind of let our guard down and we thought that it was over. We opened up last year in November, December completely, especially in Mumbai and things obviously got out of control and cases were rising. So we had to kind of control that. Now that we have the vaccine and we have everything, but it's just we also have too many people and it's hard to control when you have so many. It's 20 million people living in a city and that's so tiny. So the fact when it comes to social distancing, it's not even in the we, we don't even know what that is. We can't we don't know how we can do that in a city like Mumbai. So that's one thing we opened up. People just kind of let their guard down. People were roaming around like it didn't exist. So, and also there are people making this mistake when they get the first shot, they're like, okay, I'm now vaccinated and I can just go around without wearing my mask and I can just be like free. But you have to wait for your second shot and you have to wait that whole course of time to actually roam around freely. So I think it's funny because the episode is called reopening, but I feel that Mumbai, India is, we are far from reopening because it's it's just a huge mess at the moment, but we're trying to sort it out. It's going to take us a while, 1.4 billion people. So we're going to, we're going to take our time, but um, it's just the, the infrastructure, the population, the lack of resources. Um, so we are a bit, we are struggling at the moment. Yeah. What, what is the role that the U.S. should play? Is it become a heavier supplier? I know I listened to Biden today. He talked about, you know, because AstraZeneca is not approved over here and talked about since it was developed over here, we can, you know, use it to aid our, our uh, allies in other countries. Is it just you need an influx of just really uh, 
uh, help, medicinal help, administering this, therefore shipping more of our supplies. Do you think that would be a, a good uh, solvent? I think, yeah, more than that. I mean, Germany came up, they helped with our, they helped with supplies, oxygen, so many other countries helped as well. But I think more than that, I think media plays a huge role of just trying to, yeah, we're going through something. Yes, we understand. But I think less of that and more of support. And every time I watch any world news, it's just India is struggling, help this, do this. But what are you exactly doing? We need action and execution. So I think media plays a huge role in trying to, okay, make it look worse than it is. Yeah, it is bad. I understand that. But instead of doing, you know, just being the you know devil's advocate like okay this is going on and this is bad i think you need to be more supportive and obviously supplies um any kind of support that we require instead of just you know blurting it out like okay india is struggling <laughs> okay we are we understand that we were not ready for this um but you can be more supportive when it comes to other other things like remedies or vaccines you know things like that Awesome, awesome. Amanda, uh, just to piggyback off that, do you think in your legal advice, we're moving too fast, right? Like, and what I mean by that, so like, I was confused, you know, every, I was like, okay, look, masks are here to stay. It is what it is. I kind of got adjusted to this. And then over the weekend, Biden was like, look, if you're fully vaccinated, you can go back to normal. And I'm like, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm breathing on everybody. You know what I'm saying? So like, you, you almost get, you almost get this sense like, am I being lied to? You know, because it's like two weeks ago, you were saying, even if you're fully vaccinated, there's a eight thousandth of a percentage of a chance that you could catch this. And now it's like, don't worry about it. You know, the numbers are on your side. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I mean, before I comment on that, Derek, let him know you are not the black Jeff Bezos. You are the one and only Derek Scott. Okay. Jeff Bezos wants to be like you. Um, I keep telling them, you know. Um, but no, you know, that is like a really real question because it's like the CDC has changed course a, a ample time during the course of this pandemic. And I completely understand that, you know, we're learning as we go. Um, so the information does change, but it it is kind of like, uh, you just said, keep your mask on. Now, which is it right now? Are we not wearing a mask? So there's a lot of confusion right now and rightfully so because the message keeps changing. As for me and my house, in the name of Jesus, we will be wearing our mask when we go out around people because frankly, I wanna know that we really know, right? And yes, we've been fully vaccinated, but we don't know what other people are doing and there's still a chance that we can, you know, remit this this virus to an unvaccinated child that's in our midst. You know what I mean? So um, what, we, what we do feel comfortable with doing is knowing that if family members have been vaccinated fully, then we don't mind being around them unmasked. But for other people and their safety, until we really know, until they double down and they know, and my doctor says to me, hey, you can go unmasked, then I think we're going to still operate and um, with 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 caution, frankly. And I, I suggest that other people do the same because we just, you know, messaging has been too fickle. I totally agree. I honestly don't. I, I think we have to proceed with caution. Um, I think it's 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 a rushed feeling to just throw yourself back out there. And and obviously like me, you know, I, I'm active. I want to be out. I like people. I want to be, you know, in venues and concerts. But if the possibility of you could possibly hurt somebody that you never came in contact through this, you know, biological transfer, 
I think just being safe, right? I'm not saying shut it down. Obviously, we have to reopen economically, socially. Right. We have to move toward that plan. But I do think I'd rather have baby steps than large errors, right? And I think right I now, I think right now it's more of economic pressure. Like, hey, Biden, get the country open, you know? So I, I totally agree. Let's shift. If I may oh. say just one one additional thing on that point yeah. too, is like yeah. a lot of um, stores are opening too and restaurants are reopening as well. And they're saying, you don't have to wear your mask. We're going to use the honor system. Just let that sit for a moment for a moment. So my thought is you still want to be careful because people don't already want to wear the mask. So now that we know that they're going to be unmasked and in places and public places, you kind of want to operate with caution. So there's that. Perfect. Perfect. I totally agree. Can, can yeah, I jump ahead, in on that? Cause I, I agree with Amanda and um, as an employer, I think one of the challenges that we have and businesses have across the country is what are those workplace standards as people return to work, right? Because there's there's a liability and there's a risk if you allow people to just come back into the, the workplace and you don't have a, a, a set of a sort of standards with how that, that rollout happens, right? And so even in, in where I am, like, we're having a conversation about employees that are that are vaxxed and then those that don't want to vac, right? And and we can't ask you whether or not you're vacking or not. Most most folks are voluntarily, you know, saying I, I went and got the vaccine, and maybe the folks who aren't volunteering that information haven't. But um, the reality is, not everybody's going to go out and get the vaccine. And so, if you rush everybody back into the workplace and say we're, we're just going to be no mask, everybody be in the office with no mask, right? There's a certain number of employees that we're putting at risk. Right. Regardless of whatever their reasoning or rationale is for not going out and getting the back without enough data or evidence from the CDC that if somebody is vaccinated, that they can't transmit the virus to someone who's non-vac. Right. And so I think what what many of us are concerned about is sort of this backpedal from our uh, political leaders where they were really like 100 uh, you know, going 100 miles an hour in one direction and then sort of took this pivot to say, okay, yeah, yeah, no, 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 like, everybody take your mask off. You're good. You're good. Like, don't, no need to mask. And our governor in Michigan is under uh, a lot of scrutiny because she was one of those individuals, right, at one point where Michigan was sort of the gold standard for shutting the state down. And now she sort of, you know, took a, a full 180, gone in a different direction to say, like, let's, let's use the honor system. Well, the honor system's not, you know, if we were going to use the honor system, folks wouldn't have had the virus in the in the first place, right? Because folks would have stayed home and we wouldn't have needed shutdowns. And so I think uh, we're going to have to work out what a normalcy looks like in the workplace, because I think workplaces, businesses, restaurants, and other folks are going to still be mandating policies, and they have the right to do that, regardless of whether these mask mandates are lifted. I totally agree. It's almost like... Um... I don't think, you know, this return to normal, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I say it's the new normal, right? Like you can't undo what has been done. I think there will be new viral threats, right? I, I think that proceeding with caution and creating basically a, a process flow that can, you can't future proof it, but I do think you could get pretty close to appreciating human life, right? And valuing it uh, even over profit in some instances, you know, but I, I totally understand but you mentioned it, so I want to take a hard pivot there. Arizona, and really all of the South, but let's start with Arizona. So Arizona has begun their recount of, of, of the 2020 are, are we done? Can we please exit out of this? I mean, what is going on? Arizona's begun their recount. 
South Carolina has instituted uh, now a law that is before the governor that basically if passed or when passed, you can be uh, executed for prisoners on death row through firing squad. Right. So, you know, Derek, I'll start with you. I want to hear everybody's thoughts on this. What's going on? It seemed like, you know, we got to a point. It was like, OK, let's move forward. And now it's like somebody is like, no. We're throwing this back. You know, what? what is going on here? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I've got a lot of things on this, but your show's uh, only a few minutes long. Um, <laughs> and I think the reality is, right, we're, we're going to see Georgia kicked it off, right, with voter suppression laws, right? And we, we're, we're seeing an attack on our democracy and an attack on the, the voter, uh, you know, sort of the, the integrity of our voting system in America. And so I think what we're going to see, right, is a, is a large attack to take the focus off of what the Democrats can do in office over the next few years uh, by waging wars that, are, that have nothing to do with getting our economy back on track, track have nothing to do with, um, you know, these witch hunts that we, we say, like, we're trying to do what's in the best interest of the country. Like, all of this is to position a party three years from now, four years from now for uh, the next uh, campaign, and not even three, four years from now, but we're talking about the midterms coming up really soon. Right? All of this is the position uh, where we are. And then let's not take for granted that the census uh, just took away some seats uh, from uh, from some of our states, right? So our census just uh, added a few seats to to some red states and took some seats from some blue states. There were some blue states were picked up, but uh, the net right benefited red states. And so I think. A lot of this is posturing uh, for the next two, four years. And I don't think we're done with seeing, um, you know, Donald Trump come out uh, or whatever the remains of Trump is. I don't think we're done with Donald Trump. Like, we're not finished with the guy. Like, he's he's going to come back and come back with a vengeance. I don't know if that's, you know, presidential campaign or if that's some other vengeance that he comes back and manifests itself in a whole, you know, group of cronies that that are a ticket that. Uh, they they send uh, you know to the to the try to send to the White House, but uh, we're not done with them. Kerry, what the heck is happening with Georgia? So uh, Derek hit upon it. He said, "Hey, look, it started in Georgia. You're an Atlantean, right? You live in Atlanta, Georgia. Why is your state just so just bit on <laughs> you know going backwards?" Yeah, I think they were so upset that the state turned blue. <laughs> so. And that that hasn't happened. I don't. I mean, I don't think we made more than twenty years. So, I think that some opposition had to come from that. So, a lot of organizations, like the one I'm a part of, the National Coalition of 100 Black Women Metropolitan uh, Chapter, we are all trying our best to advocate for that to not be passed. But it seems like there are some other hands that are much higher that are, you know, forcing this to go through. So. Um, I don't know. I, a lot of people are just on foot right now. A lot of people, a lot of senators and um, people in different advocacy groups trying to prevent this from happening. But I really just think it was just some hateration because we turned blue. <laughs> so there's like, well, wait, what? So, you know, so I I don't know why this is happening, but I just know that um, I encourage everybody that's in Georgia and other people who are part of advocate type organizations and lobby who are lobbyists or whatever to really step up and um, stand up for this not to be passed. Um, this because it's, it's kind of ridiculous. So it is. Yeah. Candy, Texas, 
right? You 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 reside in the South as well. Um, so is this just kind of a game plan, right? Is this just a strategy? Derek mentioned just kind of creating posture or really a political agenda for future elections. What's happening on the booster? Like, what what do we not see? I'm in Chicago, so you know, when I turn on the news. You know, I see WGN, right? I see, you know, Chicago stuff. You know, <laughs> I see the Bulls not making the playoffs. I don't really see everything that, you know, kind of leads outside. I got to, like, turn to CNN and MSNBC to really get a true national landscape. What's going on in, in Texas? We are a red state, okay? <laughs> um, because there are so many small cities in Texas. Every major county in Texas is blue. Austin, Dallas. San Antonio, Fort Worth, Houston, okay? So this voter suppression is their way of making a play for the future. The comment that Derek made about the Trump, this has become the party of Trump, right? The Republicans are on a split right now because you have those that lean so far Trump that are not really conservative Republicans. They are people who like to complain and he says the things that they wanna hear and they think he's talking to them. And then there's the conservative Republicans. So you have a party that's in the middle of a split and they don't know what they're going to do for the next four years, right? How do they position themselves to be ready to come up against a Democrat? We have no idea who we're gonna run either, which is not a good thing, but the Republicans know they're in trouble. So every policy that they can put in place now that would discourage us or make us continue to fight because we can't show up to the polls just this year. We showed up in 2020. What are we going to do in 2024? You know, and are we going to get these counties out when it counts in midterms so that those cheat seats do change? So here in Texas, Matthew McConaughey is talking about running for governor. Hey, to get rid of Hot Wheels, AKA Greg Abbott, our current oh, governor. Yeah, yeah. So if y'all haven't seen him rolling around all over the place, we are open ma mask or off here. It's, Life has resumed. Um, it's it's insanity, right? But these are all political moves. So the mass mandates being moved, he's been fighting with every Democratic governor here in the state since the beginning of COVID. You know, um, Austin, where I'm located, there's policies all over the city. So you're still in your mask because the county has mass policies that are still in place, despite the governor going ahead and removing the overall policy for the state. So it's a political play. Voter from started with the IDs. It's and you know Georgia is now making their move to see what they can do. And what we have to do is to counteract it. We have to get out and vote. We have to get in. We have to put our dollars up. That's another thing in our community that we have to understand. Our money counts. So in order to unseat some of these people, it's hard to be people who are connected to the president that has full on access to you know to cash, political cash. Right. That's what it's set aside for. So it's going to be about educating ourselves. It's going to be about getting out to the polls, getting as many young people vote registered to vote as possible right. in order to beat them in the future. But we also have to have viable candidates. Hmm. So well, I like that. First of all, I'm a huge Matthew McConaughey fan. Um, in another and I wouldn't be Matthew McConaughey. I'd probably be Chris Hemsworth, but that's another life. But I'm saying my, I never come to start this with you. We talk about uh, Kenny mentioned viable candidates. Is it just hard? And then I want to hear uh, Amanda's uh, thought after you and Nemica. Like, is it just hard for people to connect? Like, is it like I don't see myself in this person or that person's a complete loser? Like, it, it seems like we're getting extremes of everything. It's like, it's like a, 
it's no longer just okay. They're they're decent, whatever, right? It's like you have this just overwhelming persona that like forces you to have to choose between, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know everything, right? Uh, meat or going vegan, right? Like it's just it's just an all play. So even you know in India, like, what is the disconnect? Is it just that the population is not being represented by its leaders, or is it deeper than that? Um, that's the big thing. I think that that's a good point. I, uh, what um, Candy just said with Trump, I think a lot of people just you know it's just projection of what you want to see. They just he just he's kind of like the spokesperson of all these people who are not able to say the things openly that they want to say, and that's kind of the same thing. I think in India politics, it's a lot different than the states because we have um, our system is completely different. We are quite dysfunctional. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, when it comes to our leaders, they're completely disconnected from the youth. I mean, our leaders are just, um, they're living in a different generation, like in the medieval era or something, because their thought process is different. They're not as pro- uh, as progressive as we are, because we, the generation that we're leading, millennials or Gen Z, we have a very different perspective of things. Our leaders are quite old and they have a very traditional conventional thinking, which um, doesn't go with our thinking. And that that's where the conflict arises, right? Because we are so disconnected from our leaders and they, they want to do things their own way and we want to do things our own way. But it just somehow, um, it's, it's difficult to kind of, um, you know, come to a conclusion we do have a supreme authority when it comes to our supreme code that is more like okay they're more focused on they're more driven on um results so execution but i think if we leave it up to our leaders things are just going to go round and round and we're never going to get to any conclusion whatsoever so i think it plays the thought process and the perspectives they play a major role on who you want to select as a leader if there is a person out there who's saying the things that you want to say but you're not able to say openly, you're likely to select that person because you think, okay, that person is somehow representing all this that I have inside of me and I'm not able to say. It's just kind of like a release of all that you know, energy and, and all that talk. So I think that plays a huge role, more than what that person can do or is capable of doing, the potential. We don't look at that. Maybe this person has no, I mean, Donald Trump, never in politics. What did he do exactly? How did he win so many hearts? Because he said the things people wanted to hear. And that's what works. I think that's that's the major reason here. Awesome. Amanda, are we personality drunk? And, you know, like we're, it seems like, you know, personality personas right now, are, that's what leads, you know, not subject matter professionalism, not what you've done, not content, not actual ROI. It's like, man, I like the way he makes me laugh. I'm voting for him. You know, like a real, almost like, uh, almost scary type. We're making decisions based off of personality. Are are we so uh, driven by just like this luring factor that we will ignore truth just because they appeal to some ideology? I just realized I was muted. Um, right. It's like we're in this when this we're in this era where we're like, is your Instagram page popping? What about your Twitter right. feed? Let me look at that first before I figure out if I'm voting for you. Um, you know, there's it's such a very nuanced situation 
um, because we are very much in this entertainment video era where we love bite-sized things. And um, we're kind of, I've heard it described with this microwave generation where it's like, give it to me quick, give it to me quick, down and dirty. I want to know what's happening. Um, and so if you can, if you can do that, you it's attention grabbing, right? And there's so many things competing for our attention. Um, so if you can say what you need to say in a soundbite, you get my vote kind of thing. Um, but I just think there's so much more going on too, right? So so as um, Anamika, if that's how you pronounce it, I, I let me know if I, if I botched your, your pronunciation. Okay. Um, as she mentioned, you know, you have millennials and you have Gen Zers who are, again, you're competing a lot for our attention. We have a lot of things going on. And so you need to be able to communicate yourself in an effective way for millennials and for Gen Zers, right? Um, and so there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you need to you need to kind of acclimate to the environment. You need to get your message out in a very um, dynamic way. So this is why people like AOC tends to be very effective with communication strategy because she's on TikTok or I'm not on TikTok, but she's on TikTok for Gen Zers. She's on you know the streaming platforms, Instagram. She does IG lives all the time, and she's kind of giving us a down a load um, a download on what's happening, right? And it's just engaging. Um, but at the same time, that's not the only thing that's happening, right? It's not that, oh, well, these old time, you know, senators are not on IG, so that's why millennials aren't voting. That's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of backlash happening too. And we kind of, un we're not really, dis we haven't discussed it yet, but there is a backlash of white supremacy that is really percolating and really taking hold in America right now. And so as Anamika said, um, a lot of people have been silenced for a long time, right? And that's because ma the majority of America is progressive. Okay. When you think about the policies that we are discussing, oftentimes healthcare, um, childcare, paid childcare, these kinds of things, you know, um, having parity between women and men for jobs, you know, pay parity. Everyone is on board. Majority of the country is on board for um, equal equality. Basically, if you if you if you pull us, where majority of us are on par on par with that. So America being a very progressive country in number, however, doesn't always translate to a poll, right? It doesn't always translate to voting in elections. And so what you see is a lot of um, you see a lot of racist um, Jim Crow esque kind of laws on the books to hinder that progressive um, progress from happening. So this is why you're seeing things happen in Atlanta, because we know that Atlanta is is very progressive and what's what they want, right? Chicago's the same way. A lot of cities, like Candy said, in Texas, very progressive. So what ends up happening? You have this back of the woods kind of in working, going um, to these like silent meetings on how can we undermine progress from happening so they are not usurping our power as white America. Right. And this is constant. This constantly happens. This has happened for decades in America. So when she says, when Candy says, we cannot go to sleep on our duty as Americans to make sure that we are voting and we are engaged, she's absolutely right. Because showing up once a year, once every four years to vote is not going to cut it because we're seeing this as, like we've never seen it before. That they are really trying to overhaul the ability of people to make the demands of their legislators. Mm -hmm. There are what over 300 voting bills right now 
out in America right now to suppress the vote of young people, of older people, of black people, of Latinos, and of other people of color um, because they do not want the Senate changing dynamic. They do not want the House of Representatives changing dynamic. And so we have to be mindful of those things from happening. Like seriously, the white supremacy is a thing and we need to focus on that. And we need to be, um, as Candy mentioned, we need to be well-learned and versed of what's happening. So I think this is just a nuanced conversation. Um, I don't think it's necessarily just personality driven. I think it's, we need to get more information out there before people so that they understand what's going on so that they can be active. Young people are not stupid. They can change things and they are changing things. And the more light we shed on, on the, um, you know, the negativity that's happening, I think the more that we can change the stuff. Awesome. Go ahead, Carrie. Real quick, Cody. Um, I was going to say, but to me, it just seems also funny that all this is happening after we had a African-American president for eight years. Now, all of a sudden, all these things are coming out the woods and then it was easy to get Trump into office. I wonder, do anyone question that and why the agenda seemed to change so drastically after having such a upstanding president in place now? It's like anybody can be president. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think uh, I think um, I think I think everybody's right. I think uh, uh, the original sin of America has never went away. It's in an unrepentant state. Um, it's been uh, I would I, there's been symbolic gestures of advancement, but the truth that that underlying issue has never really been resolved. And I think post presidency of Obama. It wasn't that there was uh, this new agenda. I think it was a revealed agenda. It was like, okay, no more of this political correctness. We're just going to be honest. You know, <laughs> you know, we did not like the fact, you know, that, you know, you broke, you know, tradition and, and put this brother in. So what you're seeing right now, and I think Amanda hit it on the head, I think most of us are progressive. No, you know, nobody wants anybody to suffer, right? Like if you talk to most, you know, especially millennials, and I won't say all, but most of us are like, you don't care. You know, it's like, are you happy? You know, we want people to be able to thrive in life, right? Under the full guidance of the law. And when you see a, 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 a party that is so focused on making that difficult, you know, like, and without, I guess, logic, you know, there's no real reason, rhyme or reason for this. It's just pure, just to me, in, in some instances, ignorance, that I think is what creates this tension. Amanda, you look like you're going to say something. No, I, I was going to say um, they are, they're doing this very, very, um, they're doing this with precision. This is right. not illogical what they're doing. They've been doing this for years because let me explain something to you. The judges, the vast majority of judges that we have sitting on federal benches are conservative and that's by design. Um, and so, like I'm saying before, when they are going and drafting this legislation, they're drafting it with surgical precision to make sure that you, person who doesn't have your ID, you can't vote or your signature is not exactly the way that it was before you can't vote. And the reason they make it so hard is because they know that the vast majority of people, if they do vote, they're going to be voted out of office. That's True. the fact. So, so they're not stupid. They're doing this with surgical precision and they're doing it in such a way that will completely remove the ability of the average person 
to vote. They just want their folks to be able to go. The more people that don't vote, the better it is for the folks that are in office. Well said, well said. That's all I would say. I like it. I like this. Switching gears to my uh, hot topic. We're going to get to the fun part. Cryptocurrency, right? A hey, Elon Musk was on SNL. I thoroughly enjoyed Elon Musk. Uh, I would love to just meet him and just, you know, hang with this fella. Um, he makes a joke about Dogecoin. You know, anybody that's investing out there, obviously, I don't want to get in trouble. I will never tell you what to invest for. I'm only going to talk about what I do, right? So I, I don't, I don't, I don't gamble with my money, right? When I make my investments, I look at it holistically. You know, I look at sometimes if there's a dividend, you know, uh, uh, allocation, and not always so, but I look at the financial well-being of the company and where I think this company could be five to ten years from now, and I make an educated decision, right? Um, but there are some investments in my portfolio that are highly volatile, but at the same time, highly entertaining. Cryptocurrency being one of them, right? <laughs> so Dogecoin, you know, when I bought it, man, it was like 20 cents. It was like 0.222, right? And I just kept throwing just stupid money at it, right? But the possibility that it's the next Bitcoin and that this 0.222 can become a dollar and then become $10 and become 100 or get where Bitcoin is at $50,000, right? Derek, I'm going to start this with you. This is definitely in your wheelhouse that I want everybody jumping on this. Cryptocurrency. Should we really take a look at this? Should we in- invest? Is this not just for giggles? Is this really a way of the future? All right. So I've got to take three different perspectives on this. I'm going to hit them real quick. So, so the first one is... You should never invest, at least this is my position, never invest something that you're not willing to lose. Okay, if you can't afford to lose it, don't invest it, right? Now, if after you make the decision that, yes, if I can put this up, if I lose all of it, no big deal, uh, then make the play on you know smart investments. So now the second perspective, let's look at cryptocurrency and let's look at the volatility of it and I'm going to use this illustration and it kind of goes to uh, Amanda's point about sort of this, this generation. And we live in a very virtual world where like the virtual world is reality to most folks. Like my, my son is on uh, like all of these different virtual worlds and these different things that I've never heard of, never seen. And to him, that's a real, like all of that stuff is reality. Right. And we can get caught up in this these alternate realities like cryptocurrencies, um, which is not money that you see, right? We can't tuck it away under a mattress. You can't, you know, store it in a safe and lock it up and, and come back to it 10 years later. You can literally, with the, with the swipe of a Twitter feed, see all of your currency go down the toilet because Elon Musk sent out a tweet. And so I think, right, that level of volatility is, is something to not only be sort of concerned about, but it's also something to pay attention to um, because there's somebody at the end of the day who's controlling the strings behind which cryptocurrencies are going to sort of take off and which ones aren't. Now, with that said, do I think it's going to be the wave of the future? Absolutely. Folks are, are dumping money into cryptocurrencies. And like, if you were one of those early adopters of Bitcoin, like a few of my buddies are, I just saw a, you know, a buddy 
cash out at $1.2 million, right? Of his initial investment in the Bitcoin and said, I'm I, like, I quit my job last week and I'm, I'm sort of retiring at 37 and I'm just going to like invest in a whole bunch of dumb stuff, but I, I got money in the bank to waste. So like for folks that have been early adopters, like there is a, there's a gain. And I think we're going to see more and more uh, globally trading with cryptocurrencies where folks are going to see things like Dogecoin and, and Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies like take off exponentially. However, my concern again is like the, with the swipe of a button with a click, like those currencies are gone, right? We, we saw a guy, I don't know if it, that was you and I that talked about it, but we saw a guy who has, I forget the number, it's like an astronomical number of like $23 million in Bitcoin in his uh, digital wallet that he can't access because he forgot his password, right? Oh, yeah, and yeah. he's got one more attempt Right. To get into his into his you know digital wallet to access it uh, like that's ludicrous that, you know, you could literally lose money in a virtual world that goes and disintegrates in the space somewhere. So I think understanding those challenges, right, I just encourage people to proceed with caution, but understand like there is a market for it, like get in, get out. Don't you know, just like any other investment, uh, don't be stupid. Uh, don't throw away anything you can't afford to waste. Right. Because it's a dangerous game. Right. Panel thoughts. Yeah, I was just going to say really quick, um, don't invest in anything that you can't afford to lose, except for, I guess, your 401k. Please do invest in your 401k. Um, and the other thing I'll say is with with Bitcoin and, and just to Derek's point, it's so volatile. It's not regulated. There is no reliability there. So don't dump your your, you know, retirement savings there. Um, and, and realize that though there is a market, it's a very fickle market. So you think you may get in and buy, have a buyer for $1.2 million, but you may not. Right. And you can't use Bitcoin or, or Doge, Dogecoin to go and buy a McDonald's cheeseburger. Just kind of keep that in mind too. So if you are going to put your money in there, like Derek said, I would get in and get out quickly. Um, it's extremely too volatile and you can't make any long-term commitments using it. So. Perfect. Panel. Can't it look like you want to jump in here? Um, I would say, so I'm kind of hesitant, right? So I watch the market, but I don't play the market. And what I'm kind of looking at for people who don't really understand it, right? You have to understand long-term, short-term. And that's what everybody is saying. And like in the simplest form for people, you need to understand the market before you jump in the market. And I think that's what we're seeing with a lot of people. You see what's oh, this is what they're making a lot of money and let me get in the game. Robinhood has allowed a lot of people to get in the game, even on Cash App. You know, yeah. they will give you a few dollars to get started, but you really need to understand how the market works. And for me, I'm, I'm kind of treating things like I treat Vegas. I'm only putting so much money down on the table. And once it's gone, it's gone. Because it is, it's a gamble. And I don't think people understand that about the stock market. If you have $50, most people got $50 to waste. Start there. Start low and work your way up. And then like getting these invest. there are groups on Facebook where people are teaching you how to kind of play the market. That's what I would suggest for people because it is a good way to get paid. You know, the Mark Cubans of the world got paid early investing in some of the technology aspects of things. But you need to really understand the market before you get out here playing games. And I think that's what people don't understand. And there are a lot of people to teach you. So use the people around you. Like he said, Derek said, his buddy has made the money. 
Well, you probably need to get in whatever group he's in on Facebook <laughs> and ask him. Like, because there are people who watch it all day. It's, yeah. it's too stressful for me to watch my numbers all day long, as he said, because I don't want to lose my money. So, but for other people, I go in and I watch it. I'll be like, okay, today may be a good day in the market. It's high, it's low. It's really about understanding it and connecting with the circle because there are circles of, of people of color now we're getting in this market. And that's why government is acting the way it is because we can't come up that way too. <laughs> that that's that's scary for them, right? Cuz we didn't we weren't doing stocks like that. Yeah, Candy hit it right on the head, right? It like we see people who are who are excelling, right? And and some people just take the risk and jump in, right, without asking questions. And that same like I threw out the example, that same buddy, like he lost $50,000 on a on a trade very early like on an investment, like he went in, like kind of head first and lost 50 K and he'll be the first to tell you, like, I made a whole bunch of stupid moves, but I took a whole bunch of big gambles. Right. And my big gambles were, like, I had money to play with. Like he's a trust fund baby is, you know, his father passed away at, at a young age and left him a ton of money. And so like it, you know, for him, it, it wasn't a, a losing, like he had money to lose sort of, so to speak. Um, but if he struck it big, right, he was going to win. Like some of us, some people out here don't have, that type of money to play with, but they're trying to play the game with people like that. And I think that's what makes it dangerous is when you don't understand it and you get in sort of jumping in feet first uh, and then you wind up losing, you know, big. And we've got like, you're competing with companies, you're competing with hedge funds, you're competing with folks who have the ability to control the market mm -hmm. literally with, with, with an announcement, like with a tweet. Right. And I just think that's really, you know, it's really dangerous for somebody like Elon Musk to be able to, to drop uh, uh, Bitcoin 20 percent because mm -hmm. of a tweet that he claims was an accident. Like I, I, I didn't intend it that way. And, and even after the market rebounded, it, it, like we didn't it didn't recapture its full 20 percent. So I think folks have to be cognizant, of, like when you make an investment, like there's somebody who's controlling the strings and you need to watch the money move. Right. If I see uh, Warren Buffett uh, for years, for the thir last 13 years, I've watched Warren Buffett. And in 2019, Warren Buffett started liquidating all of his cash. I said, you know what? Something's getting ready to go down in 2020. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but this dude's got a lot of cash assets. I'm about to start selling all of my stuff. And in February of 2020, what did I do? I sold, I sold over 80% of my portfolio. Like, thank God I sold 80% of my portfolio because literally two months after I sold my portfolio, the market or two weeks, the market went, you know, belly up. Right. And so I think you have to watch, you know, certain players and what they're doing with their money. you got to watch when certain folks are making moves. And we've got regulators and senators now that are planning the games. Right. And, and you know, folks, you know, are doing all this insider trading. Um, and, and if you're not connected to one of these groups, when you see those moves happening, then, then I'd encourage you to start small and slow and then work your way in until you find those folks that know what they're doing and, and then ride the wave with them. That's it. It's like playing spades. If you're not good at it, you don't do it. You just need a space partner. So when the ace of space comes around, you can call it. Right. So that I, I, I totally, I totally agree. I, um, I'm, I'm, I've watched Warren. How Warren goes is kind of how I go. I don't go, I don't go, you know, but I do. I'm not gonna lie. Doge, let me stop saying that. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's funny. I think it's because when I invest in whatever that, whatever cryptocurrency, I don't even expect it to win. I just, it's kind of like throwing like pennies in a wishing well. But if one of those pennies hit, if that penny keeps getting larger and larger, <laughs> I'm 
I'm gonna stop doing it. No, but so anyway, yo. So one of my last questions. I'm super excited about this. You know, sometimes I throw fun questions in here. We've had a, you know a very interesting last week. We dropped uh, J Cole dropped his new album. If any of you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Uh, <laughs> but before that, you know, as we resume, right? A lot of people have gained COVID love, gained COVID adage, right? I think that's the best way to say it. And now they're coming out of COVID and they want to resume um, dating. You know, obviously, it's everybody's right, right? And I'm just, I'm interested because I, like, I joke with my wife all the time. I was like, I couldn't imagine, you know, like going through a pandemic, like single, like, and then coming out because I, 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 it just felt like it was just whatever, right? So, Going into that, and I'm throwing this one to Carrie. So, what is the world? What is what what is this this nuance? This nuance I'm saying because I'm telling you, between watching the Breakfast Club and watching all this stuff, it's just a lot of hilarity out right now. So, what is kind of out there? Uh <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel differently a little bit. Um sure. I feel like COVID kind of even the playing field for a lot of people because you were able, well, you, you had online dating that picked up a hundred percent. So everybody was on online dating. Some people still on there because some and people who never tried it, tried it, you know? And um, so I think it gives you opportunity to really figure out yourself. Um, a lot of people, a lot of online dating apps started to add the, the camera feature so you could see each other at, interact and know that you're not getting catfished and all that. So I think technology started to, move along with the COVID so that people had the chance to still date. Cause a lot of people were being lonely. I think people, a lot of people was getting depressed. It was terrible. So um, I think that, you know, it just leveled the playing field as far as that and people, you know, the body image too, cause everybody started gaining weight. So nobody could go to the gym. Everybody was at home. So it wasn't like you had to feel bad or like, Oh my God, someone else is going to be, Smaller for the summer. Everybody at the same, almost on the same playing field a little bit. So I think uh, in, in light of COVID, like a lot of people could agree on here tonight, COVID did have a lot of positivity things that came out of it. And I think that for the love scene, that was one. Because I know a lot of people who are in relationships now, I saw a lot of more marriages after COVID in this in this season right now. And of course, we saw a lot of pregnancies. So... <laughs> So I think that um, it was a time that people got a chance to really bond and find themselves. Um, even though it seemed like we were separated, some way we were connected, if that makes yeah. sense. Because um, everyone was trying to look for something like, oh, uh, let's have Zoom parties. Let's do this. You were looking for something to find that human connection. So um, I, don't, I think it kind of made it better for certain people, um, get them out their shell. And I think people who probably would have never found anyone, found someone on online dating because not only does online dating open you up to who's around you, but also to the world. You can meet people in Africa. You can meet anywhere in the world and find someone to love your life. You never knew you would never met. So that's, that's true. Perspective. You know, I never thought about that. It <laughs> did bring about equality because you can, you can literally connect with anybody in the world. You know, yeah. I don't know. Look, uh, it was, it did, it did wonders because I didn't have to go. I didn't have to pay for food when I took my wife out. I didn't have to, you know, it saved me a lot of just this headache because, like, now I didn't have to be creative. I had a real excuse. I was like, babe, look, end of the world. You know, right. you, know like, you know, you know, instead of before I had to, like, look at a, a restaurant and be like, oh, <laughs> you know, just 
going through. But no, that makes a lot of sense. That is funny. I'm not going to elaborate on that, but that is hilarious. So last question. I'm going to start with you, Candy. J. Cole's new album. I know you listened to it. I listened. I listened what? twice. Was it was it album of the year? Like everybody's saying, I mean, because I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm gonna take heat for this. Okay. It was it was good. It was good. It was good. Pride is the devil is probably the best just grown song on there. Right. I think, yeah, but 95. Cameron, it was nice to hear Cameron in the beginning. I heard Cameron, I haven't heard him in like 15 years. That's all I gotta say. We agree. I was not like he dropped the interlude and we were like, okay, you know, he, he dropped some bars, you know, he talked about the comparison of Jesus and Nip and Pimp C, you know, shout out to the South UGK fan for life. But I, I, I I didn't, I I thought I was going to be wild. He was in quarantine. I thought he had time to make music. I just, I mean, it was okay. I, I don't, for me, I don't, uh, I don't see him getting album of the year, but he's rapping against bubble gum rappers. So it's still possible. Um, yes, it was adulty, but I just, I don't know. I just didn't connect with it. Maybe I need to listen for a third time, but I agree with you. I'm, I'm going, I'm going six out of 10 champagne yeah. bottles. Yeah. Champagne bottles, six out of 10. I six agree. Out of 10. Yeah. Not bad. I'm, not great. Not great. Right. <laughs> I agree. I, it's there. I thought Drake's What's Next was better than a, than a whole... I didn't say that. Not the whole album, but like I was just like, this is not... It just wasn't... It wasn't the Jermaine Cole that I was it, looking for. Exactly, right. and I think it's, it's some of the beats were... You know, because it, you're trying to ride the wave of storytelling yeah. over a great beat and trying to top your previous projects. I think that's the biggest <laughs> thing for artists like J. Cole, who's now a veteran in the game. You've taken so much time off, just like Kendrick, right? Wherever Kendrick is, he's taking so much time off. You're trying to put together a project that's perfection, but you're st- trying to stay current, relevant, and relatable. So that that that's a lot in one mouthful. And I just don't think, I, I, I think it's too much pr- to the bar. The bar is set so high by yourself that yeah. it's just hard to reach it. So I think maybe the next project we will, because, you know, it's like, we get a great album. We get a okay project. We get a, oh, you know. So I think it goes in waves. I don't, I don't think it was bad. I just don't think it was great. And I think that there's, you need to talk about things that are are personal to you, but really matter to you. And I think that's kind of where J Cole lost me. Mm. Gotcha. I like it. I like. It. I think also what hurt him when DJ Khaled put out literally two weeks before, uh, "Sorry Not Sorry" with Jay Z and Nas. Yep. I don't care what you say. You could be saved, saved by Holy Ghost Bill, and be the bishop of a hundred jurisdictions. But if you hear sorry, not sorry, something in you will click. I thought when I got done listening to that, I wanted to cry. Like I was like, this is life. This is life-giving. But look, I want to thank my guests. They have been amazing. From Derek to Amanda to Kenny to Anemica to Carrie, they are absolutely the best. I'm going to start with Amanda where they can connect with her and we'll go down to Carrie, Derek, Candy, and then we can connect with these individuals because these individuals are doing places. They make me look good because I'm going to be honest with you. I make this stuff up as I go. But when I have these intelligent individuals on the forum, on, on the, on the, on the, uh, it is what it is. 
it just makes everything smoother. And I get all my advice from them, even my investing advice. I run it past Derek. That's why I don't go bankrupt. So I'm sorry too. Amanda, where can the people connect with you? Yeah, I never have a sexy answer for this question. So, and I've been on here for several times. So the way you can connect with me is on LinkedIn, Amanda Armwin Perkins. You can try to find me on Instagram. There is not much happening there, Armwin um, on Instagram. But, you know, just look, look me up on LinkedIn. Look up on LinkedIn. Shout out to Jared. Jared, we come We got to get back together, man. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> He's Jared, so ready. Gary, <laughs> where can I connect with you? So you can find me on all social medias at Carrie um, Jimmy, and that's J-E-M-I-I, as my name is on here. And uh, every Tuesday, I have a show called Let's Talk with Carrie Jimmy, um, and that's at 7.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 Central Standard Time. And this week, we'll talk about financing tomorrow, actually. So you can join me for that conversation. But also, my website is www.carriejamie.com. You want a little, little bit more de- details about me, and that's how you can find me. Perfect. I can't wait. I can't wait to be a guest. I've been looking at some of those. Oh, I, like, I should have been. I should have been on that one with those. I'm like, hey, I would have brought out. I brought out. Any bogus. <laughs> and then, where can they connect with you? Um, I have a website, so it's just www.mynameanamikadatta.com. And also on Instagram, same, anamikadatta. Also on Facebook, same. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm very active. Twitter, yeah, everywhere. Just, just my name.com, you can find me. Y'all, she's a TEDx speaker. I didn't say that in the beginning because so I'm, you know, are you. So I did are you. okay. I did okay, but she's a real TEDx speaker. You know, I I went through about twenty versions of my notes, and I was like, none of this is making sense. But I I tried. But connect with her, Candy. Where can I connect with you? You guys can connect with me at Candy K Lynn. I am on Instagram, and my link tree is connected. Also, I am pull up the podcast on all um, platforms that you receive your podcast. We run every Monday on DFWIRadio.com at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. One of these days, I'm going to be a guest. I know. We're ready. We're we're taking, we're taking talking to the people. We're ready to go. We're, hey, I'm we ready. Gonna, we're going to connect on that. I've had Dutchess on. I've had Where's Black. You have. You've had Black, what, twice? Once. Once, okay. Yeah, I need yeah. to get him again, though. Derek. Before you become inaccessible and, you know, you know, start living out in this, you know, um, the West Coast and on private islands and all of a sudden you don't pick up my phone call, you know, where, where <laughs> hey, bro, I'm coming to Michigan. We're connected soon. You know, I'm back. Mr. Biden said I can go, so I'm ready to get out. I'm mean, like <laughs> ready to get out here. Where can they connect with you, my friend? Well, um, you can find me on any social media platform. Uh, just my name, Derek Scott, uh, on Instagram, Hope Pusher Twenty Four, uh, and I do a once a month uh, office hours with the CEO. So I am accessible, Cody, uh, and that's where anybody can drop in, and uh, I try to help folks pursue purpose and go after uh, their dreams. And so you can drop in and 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 just dialogue there. And I do want to say I am not the black Jeff Bezos because even though my wife's last name is Scott, I intend to keep her a very, very long time uh, and, and my money. Uh, so uh, always a pleasure. 
No, anytime. I wasn't expensive divorce. I try not to talk about people's divorces. You know, because I was looking at Bill Gates. I was like, man, he giving up some money for that. I was like, yeah, my that was hurt. Oh, that's another episode for another day. But look, it has been amazing. <laughs> it has been real. Connect with these individuals. And as you know, every Monday, whether I go live or not, they will be a new episode out. I might do this again. No, I'm doing this again. I'm not going to say I might do this again. I just got to get back to being creative. And sometimes that's a little difficult for me to be. So, I appreciate my guests and I appreciate all of you. Until next time, guys. Thanks. Thank you.